Shining a light on autism and life on the spectrum. Welcome to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. A podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism. And now, here's your neurologically different host, Orion Kelly. Welcome and thank you so much for listening to my friend Autism. I'm Orion Kelly and I'm autistic. But what's critical to understand is that I'm just one person on the autism spectrum. So if you've met one person on the spectrum, you've met one person on the spectrum, okay? No two autistic people are the same. We all have individual strengths and challenges. My purpose is to empower you with knowledge, education and growth opportunities through open, honest, and engaging conversations on autism. This podcast seeks to break down stigma and misconception around autism while providing real insights into life on the spectrum. I hope I can increase understanding and acceptance of autistic people. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Join the conversation now at the Orion Kelly Facebook page. Now on this episode, I'd like to share with you What it feels like to be autistic. I know that might sound a bit simple or maybe it sounds too complex, but I get asked this a lot. What does it feel like to be autistic? Because the thing about being autistic is you experience the world in a different way, but every autistic person, in addition to that, experiences the world in a different way. That's why they call it the spectrum, okay? They call it the spectrum because everyone who's on the spectrum experiences autism differently. I think it's really Interesting and also important that if I'm going to give you more of an understanding of autism and hopefully increase your acceptance of autism, well, I should at least open up and be honest and share with you what it actually feels like to be autistic. And I guess in doing that, you can listen just purely out of curiosity or you could listen out of interest to things that you might relate to or you might use it as a way of getting to know someone that you personally know, be that your child or your partner or friends or family that are autistic, and then you might feel like you understand them a bit more. So either way, I think everyone's a winner. I think you'll agree. All right, well, let's start off feeling different. Okay, so it feels different for starters. Let's just get that out of the way. Now, from my point of view personally, my entire life, I've always felt different. I've always felt out of place. I've always felt different in every facet of life. So I've always felt a bit out of place with family, friends, workmates. And this isn't just immediate family, relatives. And it's not that I don't want to feel like I'm part of those groups. It's just that for one reason or another, I don't. And more specifically, prior to my being diagnosed as autistic and it really it happened as an adult, so I lived a lot of my life undiagnosed, although I was born autistic. You can only be born autistic. You can't pick it up along the way. Putting all that aside, I always felt odd. I always felt like I was a bad person. The way I would react in situations, the way I would interact with people or my inability to properly interact or to read emotions or 
do the things that I guess regular people, we like to call them neurotypical people, so non-autistic people, the way they would expect me to reciprocate, to understand, to communicate, to um, interact, to deal with, to respond. All these areas I would fail as a neurotypical person. And of course, I assumed I was a neurotypical person. I hadn't been diagnosed. So I just felt like a bad person. Well, I must be one of those people that's just not meant to be alive or on earth or it's not just not meant to contribute anything good. That's really just a waste of time, a mistake. I'm wrong, I'm bad, I'm a mistake, I'm not worthy. And these are real feelings. I mean, what it feels like to be an autistic person, well, I can tell you, even with diagnosis, it's not like once you're diagnosed, the world throw you a big you know, Mardi Gras style celebration parade, right? <laughs> it's just how good is Orion? He's autistic. Yeah, let's throw him a party and just party all weekend long. It doesn't happen. It's not like I feel any better. I know myself better and it helps me as a person, but I don't feel any better in the world. I still feel like a bad person because I can't give you the neurotypical experience that you you want. So the level of understanding and acceptance for me is so low from my experience that I'm just desperate to devote the rest of my time on the planet to raising it because I think – if you can hear what I'm saying, how I, what does it feel like to be autistic? Well, for starters, I don't feel like I'm accepted. I don't feel like I'm part of something, like I'm, I'm in on the same joke as you, right? I always feel like I'm, I'm left behind. And I, and I think people also look at me and just, I just feel like people just assume I'm just bad. You know, He's just different or quirky or weird or volatile or, or whatever. Or he's too rude or he's too brash or he's too honest or, I mean, Anyway, so it does lead in to another big, strong feeling of being autistic, which is a lack of acceptance. If you want to know what it feels like to be autistic, well, how about waking up every day and living your life day in, day out without being accepted? That's what it feels like. I can only talk about my feelings, okay? I'm not saying I've done some sort of wide-ranging worldwide study, I'm saying, what does it feel like to be autistic? Here's my experiences. And I can tell you, it feels like no one accepts you. No one believes you. Okay. So just because I come across like a potentially marginally articulate human being, (laughs) just because I can talk and I can do podcasts and videos and blah, 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 work in radio and all that kind of stuff. I can't, there's no way I'm autistic. I cannot be autistic. There's no way you're autistic. That, that's, what I, that's what I get. People just don't believe it. You don't look autistic. You don't come across autistic. Now, I, I understand I can get a bit frustrated and I can kind of berate people in that respect. Whoa, oh, really? I don't look autistic. Oh, geez. Geez, you don't look like a moron, but you are. I mean, you know, like, because I get frustrated. You can think, well, that's not a way to talk to someone. That's a bit rude. But how about, how about this? Do you think this is rude? If you know that I was born with a neurological difference that I cannot control, yet you still give me grief and don't accept me every day. And then I bite back when you say something like, and you think you think I'm being rude? I'm the rude one. Do you see what I mean? That's where the frustration comes from. So constantly worrying about people not believing your circumstances, your personal story, well, it's deflating. It's debilitating. And lack of acceptance doesn't change. I, just because I'm autistic and I do podcasts and videos and people like my page and listen to my stuff, that's awesome. I'm so grateful. But it doesn't change the fact that in my day-to-day life, if at any point when I entered, the, so I left my house and entered the real world, if at any point 
I was simply truly autistic. I was simply me. I was my real self and I acted in an autistic way. That would be the end of it. That would, that's the end of the row. No one's going to go, oh, don't worry. He's autistic. This is normal. This is okay. Don't, don't judge him. Accept that. Well, no, the, the majority of people, they, they don't. And, and what, what's sad too is, let's say that you know I'm autistic or people you know, know what autism is. Then you've got to say it to someone as in almost like an excuse. Like I would have to say about my son or my wife would say about me, sorry, just so you know, he's autistic. As in, here's an excuse for them behaving in a way that making you feel uncomfortable. It's, it's not because you don't know anything about autism and don't care about learning and don't accept people different to you. No, it's not that at all. It's because they've got autism because they're all, it must be their fault. It feeds into this lack of acceptance, which turns me on to, well, it doesn't turn me on, I can tell you that right now, but it, 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 it pushes me forward to the next thing I want to talk about, which is masking. This really does lead into this because we've, you know, we've gone from feeling different to that lack of acceptance. And I've talked about how if you go into the real world and you just allow yourself to be your true self, your true autistic self, you don't do well, right? So we've learned a thing which autistic people call masking. Now, masking, in effect, to break it down in a sense that everyone will understand, it's in effect, Jesus, I've said that a couple of times, it's acting, it's playing a role, okay? So the role we're playing is a neurotypical person. But keep in mind, it's a neurotypical person as understood by an autistic brain. So it's me trying to be as neurotypical as I can in the real world so you feel comfortable dealing with another supposedly normal person. So if I was just me, chances are that society in general would go, well, hang on a second, this doesn't make me comfortable. I feel awkward. I feel uncomfortable, right? So I'm not rewarded for being myself. I'm rewarded for masking, for acting, for playing a neurotypical role. Does that make sense? And as a result, you can only really be yourself at home. So your home is your safe space, okay? Now, for this is another thing I want people to understand. For autistic people, your home is your sanctuary, it's your safe space, and so is the people you share your home with, be that they could be your family, they could be your partner, whoever. It doesn't really, relatives, whatever. One way or another, if you've chosen to live in a place with people, then you trust them. It's a safe place with safe people. When you leave that safe space, you have to mask. You have to hide your autistic self and autistic actions from the outside world. Now, I don't care if, you know, if people don't understand it the way I understand it, because you don't have to. I don't understand you the way you, you understand you, right? That's cool. I don't understand everything that you know about to the same level you do. That's not what I'm talking about. Like, seriously, that's cool. I'm, I'm not saying that. No one should ever assume or expect someone to understand them and their struggles and their problems on the same level they do. That's ridiculous. It's just, it's fanciful. Please don't think I'm doing that. What I'm trying to say is when I tell you these stories, when I share these feelings, does it help you in any way to go, oh, okay, it's more than just the stereotypical stuff that I've learned along the way, which is in autistic people banging their ears or yelling or violent outbursts or, or, you know, these stereotypical things, these kind of like movie autism things. But stereotypes don't help. So we have to mask. See, if I was just my autistic self, if something triggered me, if something set me off, if something overwhelmed me, because remember, being autistic is about having a different brain. It's a neurological 
thing. Now, some people call it a neurological disability. Other people call it a neurological disorder. Some people say it's a neurodevelopmental disorder. This is the problem, right? If the medical world want to call it seven different things, how in God's name are we supposed to get the neurotypical world, the standard everyday community, to understand and accept autistic people? For the love of God. Some autistic people say, I don't call it a disability. It's not a disability. It's a gift. Other people call it a disability. Other people say it's, uh, I'm on the spectrum. Some say they're neurodiverse. I mean, we've given it so many titles. And here's, here's the thing. I think you are allowed to not like a certain word or a certain describer or, or a, you know, a certain label. You are allowed to not like certain words. You're allowed to use certain words. Being autistic means I have a neurological disability. It, it does. I can tell you right now. Being autistic means that I have neurological gifts that a neurotypical person would never fathom. They do not have. But on the flip side, I can't say that my brain um, lacks things that neurotypical people do have because they, that's a fact. So there is a deficiency in certain parts of what neurotypical people take for granted. We mask, we, we act, we play a role our whole life. Can you imagine that? And what if I tell you from now on, Every day for the rest of your life until you die, which, by the way, for autistic people is drastically lower. Do you think it doesn't have an effect? If you had to wake up every day for the rest of your life and be someone you are not, play a role that you don't even like and not get money for it. I mean, if I'm going to play a role I don't like, I should at least get money, <laughs> royalties. and uh, But I don't. It's free. It's a role I've taken on for free. It's not in syndication. <laughs> there are no royalties. No checks coming through. It's horrible. You know it's horrible. I mean, it is. One thing that I really appreciate about being autistic is, is different skills. But one thing that's tricky is, on the flip side, a perceived lack of skills. Now, I know that I've got high level of skills in my areas of special interest. As you'll learn, or you may well know, autistic people tend to have special interests, obsessive interests. Now, when I say obsessive, I mean it in the way that their special interests are really all that life's about. Learning, growing, continuing, being obsessively active in your special interests. Now, they, for people, they can change weekly. Like, you can just have a new obsession every week. For others, there's a core special interest they just love and they just can't really focus on anything else. It's, it's super important. For me, clearly... You're listening to my special interest. It's communicating. It's, you know, by podcasts and videos and blogs. This is what I'm all about. Honestly, this is all I do. I do this for free, by the way, like, simply for nothing more than to hopefully help the community understand and accept autistic people. That's, that's, that's my goal. That's my special interest, clearly. And I've been in radio, I've worked in all parts of the media, and it's because I had a special interest early in life and I focused on it. I mean, I was doing community radio when I was barely a teenager, I started my own community radio station when I was in high school. I got my first job in commercial radio when I was still in high school. I finished high school via fax. I would do the assignments and the assessments and I would fax them back down to the school. So I, I passed. I, I, you know, I completed high school. It's been my life from a very young age. I focused and honed my energy into my special interests. Now, that means there's clearly deficits. There's gaps in my skill set. So day-to-day -day tasks that neurotypical people just do naturally, I have a gap in, in that skill set, in that idea. It's not like people didn't try to show me. It's not like people didn't try to teach me. The issue is I haven't been taught 
in the way that would work for an autistic person because obviously I didn't know I was autistic for most of my life, well, at least for the first, say, third of my life. This is an issue. This is what it feels like to be autistic. You are extraordinary in your special interests. You can be unmatched. And in any other day-to-day thing, in just basic everyday things, you just don't get it. You know, people would just assume, you know, you're a guy, you're a handyman. Look, now, if I can learn something, I-, I can do it, no worries. It's not that I can't do it. It's that I don't know how to do it and I can't learn how to do it. Changes in routine are always tricky for autistic people. So for me as an autistic person, you know, I start preparing for things probably too far in advance. And that is obviously because of being autistic and level of anxiety. You know, as an autistic person, there are comorbidities. Anxiety is relatively common. I've got diagnosis, diagnoses of anxiety. So I've got generalized anxiety disorder. GAD effectively means yeah, everything makes me anxious. Generalized. It's the worst... <laughs> It's the worst kind of scenario. Put it this way. It's like your caveman brain reacts like a caveman in every situation, right? So everything that has or has not happened, it provides a reaction as if you are about to be attacked by a woolly mammoth. It's, so it never ends. It's, you're constantly, your amygdala, look it up, is constantly firing. So you never get a break. The change in routine, it creates anxiety, right? Because you, you build your day around this changes to plans and routines can seriously impact me because you know I base my whole day around what I know I'm going to do and I have plans prepared for myself right I could honestly if I'm going somewhere to talk to someone I could have done the trip and had the conversation with them both sides maybe a hundred times before I'd even gone there these are the things I'm going to say it'll never be like that right but for some reason I'll do that. Now, probably just it's just an anxiety thing. And flying on from change in routines, which is a big one, weird routines. As an autistic person, you can have what neurotypical people describe as weird routines or stupid or useless routines. My daily routines, that they can be questioned. They can be viewed as unnecessary and weird and rigid or just lazy. So a great example of that is a routine that I have, and I don't know why it's just a routine I have that, you know, after... I guess I do know why. After spending an entire day in a world that's not built for my autistic brain nor accepts or understands it, I need to get away. I need to escape, right? I need to escape. And my way of escaping is sitting on the couch and just flicking through TV. doesn't matter what it is. It could be Netflix. It could be whatever. I reckon we pay, what do we pay, like a fraction of nothing per month for these services. But because there's so many, you look at you, hang on a second, I'm paying a million dollars a month. How many people, who will we, we subscribe to? This is important to me. So you might think, what a lazy bum. What, you want to spend your night sitting on the couches watching TV? What do you, I don't even really watch TV. You know what I mean? It's, it's on. I'm just kind of relaxing. I'm working on my laptop, editing stuff like this. I don't have the world bombarding me, right? Now that's tricky. When you're a husband and a father, that's tricky. It could be 8.30 at night before I even get a chance to do that. And of course, I don't want to get to bed that late because it all starts again the next morning. So it's not like I, I spend hours on the couch. It could be an hour, an hour and a half tops, but it's super important to me. Now, what happens if a kid, right? What happens if one of the kids can't go to sleep? That happens. So now it's nine o'clock at night. The kids are still awake and I haven't been able to do my routine. Now, now I know my routine is going to be really small because I've got to go to bed soon. So I start getting really resentful and agitated that I can't just go down on the couch after my day and do my routine, 
right? Do the things I want to do on the couch while watching TV and relaxing and blocking out the world. So that, that's an impact of a change in routine happening to a weird routine you have in place. Do you, you see what I mean? That's what it feels like to be autistic. Just those examples are just a, an insight into day-to-day issues. Completing tasks. God help me. You know, I've got to fully complete a task before I can move on to another one. Does that make sense? I, I can't walk away from something until it is complete or resolved. And it really rubs me the wrong way. If I start washing the dishes and my wife wants me to help her do something else and I'm still doing them, I don't want to take my gloves off, leave some of the dishes there. I want to finish the dishes. Right? I don't, I'll close that book and I'll go to the next book, right? It's the same, you know, when I was studying in uni in exams and in the exams that I did because I was studying law, they're, they're question-based, right? And there might be four questions and they might have a couple of parts to them. And so really you're just writing lots of stuff. I will answer the questions. Now, the issue being an autistic person and wanting to complete tasks is I would always run out of time. So I would answer question 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D. I would answer them all in the way that I felt needed to be answered. And then I'd go on to two and realise, hang on a second, I'm more than halfway through this time frame and I haven't even started question two, but I've got three and four still to go. So I'd never finish the questions. I would never finish the question. I never failed an exam, but... I didn't do especially well on most of my exams. The criminal law ones, yeah. But I, did, I didn't do really that well on, on most because I never finished because I, my completing a task, I, even though people said just do as much as you can on each question but t- give yourself a time frame to move on to the next question, I could never rationalise it. I could never go, hang on a second, what are you saying? You're saying you want me to I'm – already, I'm already anxious being in neurotypical conditions with an exam – it's loud and noisy and there's people everywhere and there's pressure and there's anxiety. And obviously, you know, when you put stress and pressure on me as an autistic person, everything takes longer. You know, I get that kind of freeze in my brain. So everything takes longer. It's horrible. And now you're telling me you want me to calculate. Once I see how many questions there are in my brain, because cal- I have, don't have a calculator, calculate each question and how much time in the allotted overall time I have per question and then somehow keep an keep a view of the time so when I'm writing these questions I look at the time and then when it hits that time just go to the next question even if I'm halfway through a sentence well no no I can't. that's not going to happen that's what it feels like for me as an autistic person with regards to tasks one task complete next task complete and by the way multitasking I don't, this is not a rant there is no multitasking you can't drive two cars, right? You can't chase two rabbits. You can't multitask. You can only do one thing. I'm so, it's, just, it's a fact. If it isn't a fact, how come we've outlawed phones and driving? Well, that's multitasking because people weren't doing it well because they can't do it well. You can't chase two rabbits. You know, that's a metaphor. Presumably there's someone on the planet, hang on a second, I actually uh, chased two rabbits and I caught them. Well, good for you, Rocky. But what I'm saying is, you have to understand that you know the the completing tasks and the multitasking it's completely opposed and for me it means clearly as an autistic person multitasking isn't isn't something that I would I would attempt or do and in a way I'm glad because it's just a it's a farce it's a myth it's a fallacy hyperproductivity is another part of being an autistic person I'd love you to potentially hear a little bit about because I don't want it to be too overwhelming but in essence oh, I said it again is I go through phases where I'll be able to produce or complete large volumes of work that, and when I mean large, I mean like volumes of work that you as a neurotypical person 
would take weeks, maybe months to complete because you know that life has many facets, right? You know that you have to self-care, you have to care for others, you have to do things that aren't just this, right? But for me, no. An example, today, in four hour, in, in this space of four hours, I have recorded an upcoming YouTube video and I think, you know, all up, the recorded content time went for about an hour and a half. I'll cut that down to 20 minutes. <laughs> I've also done this podcast. So I'm recording the podcast. I'll edit the podcast. I'll do some writing. So what, what I'm saying is in the space of about three to four hours, I've produced a YouTube video and a podcast from start to finish by myself. No other help. So that's hyper productivity. And what's at issue is that I can't stop. I lose track of time. I go, oh, wow, I've got to get going soon. I'm still doing this. I've got to stop, but I can't. I lose my awareness of others. I forget about self-care. Did I, what have I eaten today? I don't know. Have I eaten? Does it matter? I'm doing this. In doing these kind of large chunks of work, what happens is I burn out. Autistic burnout. It's almost like productive days, couple of productive days, Burnout can barely do anything. Productive days, burnout, right? Because there's no balance. And that's what it feels like being autistic. Isolation is massive. As an autistic person, I can tell you, well, what does it feel like to be autistic? It feels isolating. I've done a YouTube video, you know, I'm an autistic alien. That's what it is. That's what it feels like. You are isolated. There's communication differences. You're always being misunderstood. And, and the way you act can lose things like friends and family, relationships, jobs. It's like you've been dropped on a foreign planet, speaking a foreign language, using foreign conventions and cultures and rules, and you just don't get it. You just don't understand anything. But you've been dropped on there. Bang. Good luck. Right? That's what it feels like. So, of course, that's isolating. If you moved to a foreign country that you did not know anything about, didn't speak the language, didn't know the people, didn't know the culture, you'd be isolated. You'd feel isolated. I mean, hello. <laughs> you do not need to take a criminology unit at uni to know about isolation <laughs> and communities and the effects. It's really isolating. And I think you understand why. I don't think it gets potentially any better. Your brain isn't the same, therefore you aren't the same as the majority of the people on the planet. And talking about communication differences with isolation, I think Small talk is a big issue for me and, and potentially other autistic people. Common neurotypical forms of communication like small talk, well, they just don't come naturally. As I said, it's, it's that kind of feeling of being in a foreign country and not knowing the language. And the silence and the awkwardness makes it even more uncomfortable because with small talk, which is very normal, very common for neurotypical people, I mean, you could be about to have one of the most serious conversations with someone, right? One of the most serious conversations that you've had in a long time. And you will, I promise you, as a neurotypical person, I guarantee, you could be about to fire someone. And I promise you, at the start, you will still say, you know, like, uh, oh, g'day, Gary. Oh, yeah, how's your, how's your day been? Oh, it's not bad outside. The weather's not bad outside, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How's the weekend? Yeah. Oh, how's, uh, yeah, how's Julie going? Oh, yeah. Anyway, Gary, you're fired. I mean, seriously, what on God's name is the point of small... I, do I, I don't care about the weather. Look, okay, 
It's a nice date, cool. Well, I can say that to myself. I can, that's, that's in a monologue stuff, man. That's in a monologue stuff. Shut up. Who cares about the weather? Don't point out the weather to me. What? Like, who, really? What do they do on the weekend? I don't know. Think about ways I'm not hanging out with you. I, I don't, what, what, what do you want me to say? Like, small talk. I just don't get it. I don't get it. And when I try to, oh, well, actually, in fact, I don't try to do it because I hate it so much. I find it ridiculous. Why would you waste your life? It could, you could end tomorrow. Today, why would you waste your life talking to people you want to talk to about small talk conversational issues? Why wouldn't you just get to the good stuff? Just talk to your friends and your family about the good stuff. Why? Who cares about the traffic? Oh, but there was a bit of was a bit of traffic this morning. A bit of how'd you go with the drive in? What was the what were the roads like? What were the roads like? I don't know. They were flat and upon the earth, and I drove over them potentially at a. Borderline spell. I mean, what do you want me to say? What, how? What was the traffic like? I don't know. There were cars going both ways. Uh, they were driving, for the most part, okay. I mean, anyway, I don't get it, guys. <laughs> so you know, being autistic, me personally, I can struggle in communication because I don't get your small talk. I resent the small talk. I find it ludicrous and ridiculous and so arbitrary, and therefore I'm not any really you know, dismissive of it, but I actually hate it. But also, I actually can't work it out. I don't get what it is and what you want me to say back to you, right? So that is just an issue that you don't feel like you can ever overcome. And it just makes you feel even worse as a person. It isolates you even further. And I think the whole small talk argument, and my little rant there, I apologise, uh, <laughs> kind of filters onto the wavelength thing. Like, for example, my idea is small talk, it just seems like a waste of time, right? And in the end, you're not, I don't feel like you as a neurotypical person are asking me small talk questions because you legitimately want the answer. A good example, people will ask you a question and answer it with a question. How are you going? Oh, how are you going? What do you, what do you mean? How am I? I've just asked you how you're going. Don't, how are you going? Oh, how are you going? What's the, what's the answer to the first question? There's many things that make no sense. This wavelength, right? A different wavelength. Honesty is massive for me. I don't understand why you don't want to be open, honest, and straightforward. For me, that, that's just my natural state. I'm naturally open and honest and straightforward. Now, neurotypical people would say I'm, I'm openly, naturally brutal and raw and rude, but it's only rude because it's the truth. It, it wouldn't offend you if it wasn't the truth, right? I mean, I could, I could lie to you and you wouldn't be offended, but that's not the truth. You know, I get really confused and agitated and and frustrated and angry when when people won't tell the truth to me and say exactly what they mean. Because for me, as a communication deficiency, I don't know what you want from me a lot of the time, right? It's not because I don't want to know. It's because I can't read the signals, the signs, the body language, the nonverbal cues, the verbal cues, the tone. I, I, I can't, I don't know what you're trying to say. I don't understand if the small talk is me you, you asking me to go fishing for something, right? Like, I don't know what that means. That doesn't make any sense to me. The wavelengths are so different. It can be a bamboozling day every day for your whole life. You know, what it feels like to be an autistic person and sensitivity. Sensitivity and hypersensitivity play a big role in my life as an autistic person. So for starters with sensitivity, I can be really sensitive to criticism or even perceived criticism, right? Sensitive to someone who isn't, isn't even trying to criticize me. Being treated badly, loud people and noises, smells, food textures, feelings and feeling, <laughs> clothes touching me and 
I mean, it has a legitimately detrimental impact on me. So the sensitivity, and this is this is a clearly an autistic trait, these different types. I mean, it's not like we all have the same. Do you see what I'm saying? There's certain textures I don't like, that kind of soft, gooey types of food, squash and pumpkin and, oh, my God, just horrible. Uh, yuck. Just in your mouth, ugh, it's not going to work, right? And there's smells. These things that normal, everyday people, neurotypical people don't care about, that is they just get on with it. They think, well, what a baby. But see, this is the thing. This isn't a choice, right? I'm not choosing to gag when I eat pumpkin, right? To get out of eating pumpkin or whatever. That, that's ridiculous. If I, didn't want to, if I wanted to get out of eating pumpkin, I wouldn't put it in my mouth for starters, right? So the gagging is, is involuntary. It's an actual, it's an actual reaction, a sensitivity reaction. It's, a, it's an overload. This is, this is a thing. Being an autistic person, you know, you're not being precious or picky, this is something you don't control. You can't control this reaction. All you're doing is just trying to keep yourself at peace. And the hypersensitivity comes into play because you can often hear and, and smell things that others don't. I do, this happens all the time with my wife. She basically thinks I'm a superhero. I will go, what is that horrible smell? I can't smell anything. No, no, seriously, this is a horrible – right here, right here, there's a horrible smell. It's got to be in that room. Nothing no, – I can't smell anything in that room. It smells perfectly fine. Oh, it must be this. No, it's not – it doesn't smell like that. I mean, it's like it's a different – it's a different – you know, you just, you, look, you just look nuts. Well, you're not. It's just a hypersensitivity. It's the same with noises. And aside from noises, you know, you're hypersensitive to distress, to emotions. So, you know, babies, kids, uh, even – look, even adults in distress, it – it hits you on a sensitivity level that just seems so profound. It's it's just the outward version of you looks blank, but inside you're just so affected. You're just taking it all in, and it's just oh man, I just can't take it. I just it's horrible. I just hate seeing people in distress or you know being <sighs> being put in a situation where they you know they're in danger or, or whatever. I just it's yeah, I'm just really sensitive to it. I can't process it. It just overwhelms me, and also. I'm hypersensitive to, to faults, to gaps, to errors. This is very annoying for neurotypical people. You want to know what's wrong about this? I'll show you. I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, I can read something. Oh, there's, a, there's an error. There's an error. There's an error. Or there's a fault. Or you know what you did wrong there. Or you know, it's, it's, it's horribly annoying, but it's not something I do to annoy people. It's just, look, I, I, t- I take it as a gift. If you want someone to, to spot stuff, you know, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to spot it. I'm going to, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to work out what needs to be fixed, tweaked, changed, altered. What's wrong? What's right? I mean, that's, it's a gift. I'll take it as a gift. You take it as annoying. And I find what's really funny about the over-sensitive nature, the sensitivities, hypersensitivities of being autistic, that there's the reverse, that clueless side, right? You're, you're super sensitive to things, but then you're clueless to other things. And that's because, for me personally, body language, like I've talked about, voice tone, nonverbal cues all different ways you would use to communicate to someone doesn't work for me. So I come across clueless. I have no awareness that you might actually like me or not like me or be upset with me or be happy with me, right? It, it doesn't – either way, it's good – it, the good or the bad. Right? I, don't, I just have a default setting that no one likes me and everyone's annoyed with me. <laughs> That's about where I'm at. What always bamboozles people is that my special interest – is communicating, is performing, entertaining, media, radio, TV, film, video, whatever. What bamboozles people is how I am in real life. My, my social interactions, 
one-on-one or face-to-face are so different to how I am when I'm doing my special interest. Well, you have to look at it logically. And I know that that's hard for neurotypical people. They've got more of a developed emotional brain than mine. I've got an overdeveloped logical brain. And that's just fact. Stamp it. Bang. So anyway, (laughs) when I'm doing podcasts and videos, I'm alone, right? When I'm doing radio, I'm alone. I'm in a studio by myself. People can't come in. They come in from time to time, but really no one's coming into the studio. People call, but that's when you ask them to and you, you know, and it's all structured. It's not like I've got to just walk down the street and start talking to someone, right? The last thing I want to talk about with what it feels like to be autistic is dealing with emotions and emotional awareness. You know, I can really struggle with how my reaction to the emotions of others makes me look to them. You know, sometimes I experience no visible emotion when someone becomes emotional, right? So crying doesn't make me cry. Does that make sense? I mean, it, yeah, no, well, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't mean it doesn't make me emotional. I just find it hard to recognize I should comfort them or at least offer it, if that makes sense. So on the outside, nothing. On the inside, horrible. I feel really, really horrible and bad for them. I don't even know that I'm supposed to offer to comfort them or try to comfort them. So I'm, I've learned in those situations, not that I've learned the ability to understand that. I haven't because it's just not something that, that I, I can do naturally, right? But what I've learned is almost as a trigger. Someone cry walk over and pat them on the back or give them a hug. It's a trigger. That's some people say, you know, autistic people have no empathy. Well, it, it may be true that there is a deficiency potentially in some autistic people's empathetic skills, right? Okay. But that doesn't mean that autistic people aren't empathetic. In fact, they can feel empathy or be far more empathetic than neurotypical people. But, of course, in an autistic way. You have to understand, regardless of what we're talking about, it's still coming through an autistic brain. So you can't compare it to what you expect it to be, right? There's no use judging me and my responses up against a neurotypical person, right? How's that going to work? It's not going to work. You know, as a result, I don't feel like I ever, I mean ever, feel or convey emotions the way that neurotypical people, non-autistic people want me to. I don't ever feel like I convey emotions the way you want me to. I feel like people just label me emotionless, cold. How do you think that makes me feel? Very emotional. <laughs> that's not, like seriously, that's, that's the worst thing you could say to me. I'm far more, um, far more emotional or feel far more emotion internally than most people will ever. And that's, I, I, we do because we're hypersensitive. I feel it's stronger too strong too profound probably absolutely it's such a funny conflict right (laughs) that you would just assume because they don't exhibit it like you that then then i have no emotion or i'm emotionless or i'm cold or or a snake in the grass or whatever someone actually said to me once you're a snake in the grass because i never i wasn't open about everything like i didn't tell them my day-to-day life like everyone else but what that really was saying was i'm not good at small talk right I, i don't because I never share day-to-day stories, they just think that I must be up to something, right? If I'm a neurotypical person, maybe, but I'm an autistic person. I didn't know that then. I know that now. I'm not up to something, you know? I'm not hiding things from you. I just don't want to talk about those things. The, the, the funny thing is, if, if you asked a deeply personal question to a neurotypical person in that situation, in that, let's say, a workplace situation, 
chances are they just skirt around it, right? And me, never talking about small talk or offering any kind of stories or experience just off the bat, if you then asked me a deeply personal question, I would answer it. And how? You would get every single bit of the answer required with nothing edited out, no holes barred. So that's what's really interesting. If you just got to know, know an autistic person, gave them the opportunity to understand you and you to understand them, you'd realise that these types of things are super hurtful. Snake in, the, snake in the grass? Seriously? You know, the way I see it, a neurotypical person spending most of their day entering in small talk with not only fictional questions but fictional responses, that's more of a snake in the grass than, than someone who just doesn't enter into them at all, right? We've been through a lot, huh? I've done my best to open up, to share, to give you an insight into what it feels like to be autistic. I've done everything through the lens of moi, okay? So these are all my own personal experiences. As I say over and over, every autistic person is different, okay? So these are my experiences, but I'm super grateful for you listening. I really do hope that my experiences and insights have have opened up some sort of dialogue with you, you know, have given you more of an understanding. Okay, I get you more and I get autism more. You know, I understand autistic people more. And maybe, which is my lifelong goal, maybe they've opened up the door to you accepting autistic people to be autistic people and accepting them for who they are, which would be amazing and is the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing now, podcasts, videos, blogs, advocating for autistic people. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Thank you so much once again for listening to My Friend Autism. I appreciate it. And if the episode has resonated with you, well, please share it with your family and friends so we can reach more people. And if you'd like to continue the conversation, suggest a topic or area of autism to explore or just say hey, you can like the Orion Kelly Facebook page or send me a message via my website, just go to orionkelly.com.au. That's O-R-I-O-N-K-E-L-L-Y.com.au. This podcast is here to break down stigmas and misconceptions around autism while providing real insights into life on the spectrum. Together, we can make the world a better place for autistic people. All I'm asking is for you to open your hearts and minds to people a little bit different to you and embrace the benefits of neurodiversity. Until next time, thanks for opening up your mind and embracing differences. You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion and never miss an episode. Like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook or visit orionkelly.com.au.